Strap yourself in because we're set up, switched on, and ready to go. This is the Media Center. Presented by Levi Loggins and Arnie Singh. This is your show. Okay, I'm so excited. Welcome to the Media Center. <laughs> my name is Levi Loggins, sitting to my right. Arnie Singh! We're so excited because today is the first day that we are starting to do our little recaps. The first review of Avatar and the Last Airbender, people. Now, this was a show that was, it was originally sent out on Nickelodeon, correct? It was on Nickelodeon. It ran for three seasons, three glorious, glorious seasons, and even, uh... Uh, sprouted out its own uh, spinoff. Yeah, yeah. And um, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Uh, it's it's one of the greatest animated series of all time. And, and we're not just saying that. It, hyperbole. It does hit number eleven or thirteen, something like that. On you the said nine or nine seven or something. Yeah. It is on at least the top twenty list of the best ranked TV shows on IMDb. Yes. IMDb, people. I know. It's created by Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konietzko. I think that's how you say his name. And directed by Aaron Ehas and uh, Lauren McMullen, who have gone on to create their own shows since then. Um, but Avatar The Last Airbender, it was, it's a show I've watched all the way through. You've watched, for the most part, the series. And it dives into some really fun, interesting, even dark themes uh, philosophical themes for a kids show. It's very it, like it. It really, it really uh, explores the expanse of humanity and what it means to be right and and true. And even with that, you still have that fun of it's a kids show. Yeah, because there's still those little comedic moments there. Yeah, it and doesn't take itself too seriously, but it definitely approaches some serious topics. And it, with a lot of heart. Yes. Yeah. That's the biggest thing behind this show. Should we get into it? Let's get into it. So, oh, oh by the way, we're also going to be reviewing two episodes yes. every uh, week because otherwise we'd be here for an entire year talking about Avatar. And I don't know about you, but there's also another show I'd like to review after this. Several shows. Legend of Korra. Yes, that's obviously the follow-up, right? Yes! A whole year of Avatar things. I've never seen Legend of Korra. Oh, this is going to be fun. Then. But that's that's for down the road. Don't, don't skip ahead. I okay. swear to God, if you skip ahead, I'm going to be like that housewife that comes on and is like, you watched seven you episodes. You watched without, without me? We will not do this. Okay, good. So let's go on. We open up with the probably one of the most memeable openings of all time. The, right, the, the, the theme just song? the intro, the theme song. Yes, the title sequence. Oh, how does it start? Oh, how does it start? Uh, one night, blah blah blah, so on and so forth, and then the Fire Nation attacked. <laughs> <laughs> That's always what pops up on the, my my head when yeah. I think of Avatar meme. For me, no, it's it's, but <laughs> uh, the whole thing where he's on his air scooter and he runs into the rock. He has a lot to learn oh, yeah. before he can start saving anyone. <laughs> but I believe Aang can save the world. Music! Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. It's going to be amazing. I love it. It's going to be fantastic. So we start reviewing the first episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, and we, yeah, go yeah, we, we let's start. We open up on uh, Katara and Sokka yes. to... You know, they're fishing. They're out there fishing on the canoe. Katara's hanging back, kind of chilling. Like two like adolescent kids yeah. from the South Pole, yeah. living a pretty you know moderate life. A pretty like it's it's an unimportant existence. 
really, or inconsequential yeah. in a lot of ways. They're from a small fishing village in the South Pole. They're the Southern Water Tribe. Um, and they, Sokka's fishing around and trying to show off his machismo as he will a lot of times in this series. Yes. And Katara is practicing her waterbending in the back and so on and so forth. And they come across a large iceberg. Well, before we come to that, there were, I have, I have notes, people. Oh, I have notes. Before we come to that, I don't remember the show being so freaking woke. Yeah. Especially it aged very well. I mean, you have a whole sibling rivalry between Katara and Sokka. They are brother-sister. And I didn't... I, I wrote this down because she even brings up... You you were being so sexist for saying she says you are sexist. This show and Legend of Korra and the show that I'm watching now, The Dragon Prince, which was made by Matt Ahos, the same people. Yeah, it's so incredibly progressive in the way they portray their women. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you see Sokka saying you you should basically he says in a nutshell you should stop going out and practicing this you know water magic as he calls it. Yeah. And you know you need to be home and taking care of you know the the, the all of the kids of the tribe and so cooking and doing the laundry. Deeds. And Katara even says straight up, you're being sexist. Yeah. Well, you, you, you sexist little kid. I can't believe you could be saying stuff like this. I, I mean, on Nickelodeon to say the word sexist. That's crazy for but the time. It's, but it's beautiful because yeah. kids hear that word and know what it means now. Mm-hmm. That's like, you're not going to put me in this box. That's a great message for kids. It's a great role model. Fact. Katara in the first three minutes of the show is already a great role model. Fantastic. And you will continue to see that as the season progresses. Right. So Katara gets all angry because Sokka's calling her and telling her this, that, and the other that we just said. And it wasn't at that moment that I thought this. It, it was just, you know, in typical Sokka fashion of, you know, getting to know the characters. He was just trying to show off his machismo and just being funny. I did write down, Arnita's is totally Sokka. I am Listen, this changes. On. This changes as it goes on. So you will see my thought process. Oh my god. But at this point of the show, I was like, yeah, I see some similarities between Arnita and Sokka. I'm not that naive. This will change. This will change, don't worry. Alright, fine. In any case, Katara gets very angry, starts waving her hands in anger, but inadvertently starts waterbending through the water and creates huge cracks in this iceberg that's right behind her. And Sokka, as he notices the cracks forming the iceberg, begins to cower and fear at the back of the canoe. And finally, the iceberg cracks. And I do want to know, we don't have to talk about this yet, but it will come up more later, that her water bending became more po- more powerful. Oh, actually, let me rephrase it. Her bending became more powerful when she got emotional. Yes. I just want to bring that up. That'll come up again later. It's very much, definitely we'll get, come back to it later. Bending has a lot to do with a person's general, um, like what parts of the brain it accesses is that part, that bender part. Like earth people are very much grounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, water benders are very much with the flow. Uh, air benders are very much, they don't they don't take anything too seriously. They're very airy. Uh, fire benders, hotheads. We all know that. But even given all of the differences, they all seem to shine in vulnerable moments. And they have the positives and negatives. Yeah. They absolutely do. You, you can access these uh, bending techniques through a dark side of you or a bright side of you in, in that wider spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. So the iceberg destroys and suddenly beam of light and the Avatar has returned to the world. You see this little monk-looking statuesque type figure in the ice yeah. with blue, bright, beautiful blue shining eyes and arrow tattoos on him shining the same color. Yeah, sitting crisscross applesauce with his hands together and, and it, a massive bison. Uh, yeah. We'll talk more about... Uh, 
But it cracks, and this, I will be counting the amount of sexy moments we get from Katara. <laughs> sexy face moments. Because this was the first Katara sexy face moment we get. Right. And listen, if you're watching along with us, which you definitely should, this just means you get a close-up of her. Usually there's a little, you know, jingle of music in the background, and you get a close-up of her just making sexy face. We get the first one when she's very close to Aang. This this kid Looking that was in right into his eyes to see if he's awake. He's passed out in the iceberg. And then he wakes up, and you expect it to be this dramatic moment. I have to tell you something. No, I have to ask you something. Do you want to go penguin sledding with me? And it was at this moment that I said, hold up, Arnie might just be angry. Not I, yes! <laughs> Thank you! Yes, I am! Absolutely! It was at that moment where I thought, hold on. I'm, I'm changing my mind already. I'm fun with sparse senses of responsibility. That's what I am. It was the out of nowhere. <laughs> it was out of nowhere question to be a child. But Perfect I was like, this is character Aang. introduction to Aang. Yeah. Yeah. So Aang is, is you know, they don't know nothing about him. They know he has a massive bison with him. Uh, and they take him back to uh, their Southern Water tribe. Yeah, he's sparking a lot of curiosity between them. He's very suspicious just because he is so... Different to them, there's a there's definitely a, uh, a na- not a naivety about him. There's a childlike essence about him that's very strong. Yeah. And there's definitely a cultural difference between him too. Yeah. And in broader strokes, nobody has seen an Airbender for a hundred years. Exactly. Because they were uh, he doesn't know it yet because he's been and we find this out he's been in the iceberg for a hundred years. He doesn't know that all the Airbenders were uh, killed in a genocide by the Fire Nation. Plus, he's just weird. Yeah, he's a little he's weird. weird. We have a moment when they're flying back to the tribe, and they're just looking at each other, Katara and Aang, and she's like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I was just smiling. Yeah. <laughs> he just took the moment to just smile at her. goofy look on his face. And it was at that moment where I even have here, oh, that moment has me sold that Arnie is Aang. <laughs> My fist is up, and I am in agreement. And then we see, we, we cut to a scene of this tight, <laughs> this uptight kid named Zuko, <laughs> who is on the search for the Avatar. We we are introduced to the Fire Nation, our our, our uh, antagonists. Yes, of the uh, show. He's sailing with his uncle Iroh. He's been banished from his uh, from the Fire Kingdom, uh, the Fire Nation, and he's on the hunt for the Avatar because that will, uh, in his words, which he will say very often. Restore his honor. Is that what it is? Because I definitely have written down here, I totally forgot what crawled up his butt. Why yeah. is he so adamant about this? Well, we'll find it out later in the series, but yeah. there is a legitimate reason for why he has to hunt the Avatar. Yeah. Um, but for right now, he's just kind of a crazy teenager trying to hunt the Avatar for no apparent reason. Now, Uncle Iroh is, you know, the the source of wisdom for everything, and it's, he will continue to be. Yes. Um, and it, right now, he is just the, uh, the lovable uncle who uh, is also kind of naive in his own way um, but they're definitely they see the beam of light as the iceberg has opened and Zuko knows the avatar has returned yes uh, we then cut to a weird scene that I was not expecting where Aang wakes up just naked in a tent and I'm like who who undressed Aang yeah <laughs> did he do that did he just fall like hi welcome to, to the no because this is before he even met them yeah so he just wakes up in the tent naked I'm like what yeah <laughs> Uh, okay, but that's neither here nor there. And then, and then he's introduced to this podunk town of like eight people. 
Yeah, just a few igloos around, um, a few families, and he finds out that that's really when all the... Um, he doesn't know that there's a, a hundred years war going on with the Fire Nation and the other nations. This is where he starts to catch that. Right, and uh, Katara and Sokka combine to tell him that uh, the village has been this small since all of the men in the tribe went off to fight the war. And he starts questioning, what is the war? What is the war? Um, and it's it's really it's just these little tiny moments going into uh, his his full discovery, but it is a climax that's left very much for the end of the second part of the uh, second episode. And this is the first time we catch uh, a scent of Aang finding out that all of the Airbenders are extinct. The true tragedy of everything. He's he doesn't know anything. He's a twelve year old boy who, for all he knows, uh, everything is exactly the same, and he left. His uh, his home yesterday. It's it's hard not to feel bad for him. Absolutely about this. I mean, he hasn't quite got the full picture yet. Because we will get that later, in in an episode very soon, actually. Yeah, very soon. And uh, it's it's very hard not to feel feel bad for him if you if you think about it. Absolutely. Um, so then they go penguin sledding, which turns out to be just as much fun as we had all thought from the name of it. Fantastic. Uh, and then they stumble upon an old Fire Nation uh, war boat or warship that's been frozen up in ice and uh, against Katara's wishes, Aang decides he wants to go and check it out. And while they're doing this, while they're going and they're finding this, this boat and when they're in there, we're having this whole dialogue between Aang and Katara about how... Katara really expresses her desire to find a teacher for her waterbending. She's yeah. new to it. She's the only one in the tribe. And it's so... Her intentions of trying to find a teacher for this is so pure, and it really breaks down to her just trying to find her identity. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, a character arc that continues that way throughout the entire series, and it is really beautiful to watch. Um, but certainly to see her kind of understanding who she is and what she needs to do to be the full version of herself is quite endearing. And I do find there was also some more talk. It's set up how this is a this is a children's show on war. Yeah. This it really shows how this this world and is so separated from this world that's happening right now because he um he 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 wasn't raised in war. There's this back and forth between him and Katara where she says Oh, I haven't done this since I was a kid. They were they were penguin sledding, and he says, "You still are a kid." Yeah. That got me a little emotional because it really shows that the big difference between the two of them is being raised in a world with war. Yeah, because you have to mature so quickly. And in Katara's case, I mean, she is one of the very few left in the tribe. She's had to take on more responsibilities and kind of be the mother to Sokka when their mother is their parents are no longer there for them mm -hmm. you know so that's definitely part of it but then they go ahead and discover the warship they go walking through Katara's a little nervous and she was telling Aang earlier before they got to the warship that uh, there's said to be booby traps on the warship and guess what there's booby traps they set one off and a flare went off of the warship and of course Zuko saw it so the end of the first episode ends with Zuko getting ready to chase down the Avatar. And the second episode begins with chasing down the Avatar. The yeah. warship, uh, they, the, the Southern Water Tribe does see that uh, 
the Fire Nation ship, the Fire Navy ship is coming. And they're so, mad. At, they're, they're mad. They don't know where to place their anger, whether on Katara or Aang. They're, they're, just, they're just mad that, you know, that someone thinks he did on purpose. Yeah, he comes in and then trouble follows. So he gets banished. Yes. And then Katara is very quick to leave with him. She's, she's pretty much done with this town. Right, <laughs> right. this little village. And uh, we also get another Katara sexy face here. Yes, okay, so that's what, two? That, no, that was that's actually three. We got another Katara sexy face when they were on the boat. Oh, wow! So we're up to three. We're up to three Katara sexy faces within the first two episodes. Go Katara, I guess? Sexy Katara. I suppose. <laughs> cartoon, well, cartoon characters can be sexy. Anime! Um, so, yes, so Aang is ostracized from the village, and Sokka uh, collects a group of hardened, battle-tested warriors. And uh, most of them are under the age of six. Yes. Most of them need to go potty. <laughs> Which is where the comedy keeps playing. It's such a it's such a fun yeah show. This, it, it gets serious, and then until it's not. Right. Right. <laughs> we were mentioning before how subtle the comedy is, and how uh, uh, it's it just it's it always catches you off guard, no matter how much you're expecting it. Yeah. It's beautiful. Sokka puts on his war paint. He gets his soldiers ready to go. No potty breaks. And the warship makes dock. The walls that are surrounding the Southern Water Tribe, it's a small village. They're not expecting any trouble. They come crashing down. They're just made of snow. And Sokka is the only one who's left to fight an entire group of Fire Nation. Including Zuko. Soldiers. Including Zuko. So, he, yeah. so Zuko storms the, 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 the village and is basically just interrogating everyone. Where is the Avatar? You've been hiding him. And... Uh, he grabs the grandma, the oldest person in the village, first, and I said, "That's a cheap move, but effective." Yes, it really. Katara and Sokka's grandmother, be exact. Yeah, it really shows how uh, aggressive and ruthless yeah. the Fire Nation is in their in their tactics. Absolutely, and kind of you start to see already the desperation in, within Zuko to capture the Avatar. It really means something to him to capture the Avatar. Um, and Zuko does away with Sokka pretty quickly, and Aang, who had earlier sensed trouble, came back to the village, sledding on a penguin to save the day. And so Aang takes on the entire group of Fire Nation soldiers and almost gets away, but then Zuko plays his last chip, and Aang says, if you leave the village alone... Oh, no, wait, hold on, I've forgotten something. This is where everybody finds out. Until this point, he hasn't told anybody. This he has actually lied about. about it. He's the Avatar. Master of all four elements. The one that's destined to save the world. And bring balance to the to the elements. And he was asked in the in the first part of this episode by Katara, are you the Avatar? And he straight up lied. Which will be a, a continuing a reoccurring theme of lying yes. from Aang. Absolutely. He's very reluctant and we'll find out why. Um, but he says that he's the Avatar. Everybody realizes it now, and he says, if you leave them alone, I'll come with you. And Zuko agrees to it. So Aang is taken away from the village. Sokka and Katara want to go chase after him, and with the blessing of their granny, they go ahead. Aang, meanwhile, is in custody, on the boat, sailing away, and what does he do? Pulls out some Avatar shit. You get some good airbending, firebending fights happening throughout there. So we get this whole great fight throughout the naval ship. You also get him in Zuko's private quarters and the two of them fighting. And this is where I found it very interesting. Just the style of which that the the different elements are. Airbending is very technical of a craft. Yes. Compared to firebending, which is completely offensive. 
Well, fire. So it's interesting because I I noticed the same thing. Yeah. I know I liken Aang and his air and his general combat style to judo. Yes. Because judo is very much about throwing your opponent off balance and letting them make their mistakes. I mean, almost the entire fight in Zuko's private quarters, he was behind Zuko and you know, being running ready, away, running away, blow, blowing a fire back. Yeah. All of that. It's all defense. And Zuko's was more of a complete offensive strategy towards Aang. And you can tell it comes from aggression. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, Aang's style won. And he escapes from the quarters and almost gets away, but then Zuko grabs him at the very end. He's knocked to the ground, and then Zuko knocks him over the side of the boat, just as Katara and Sokka uh, riding on Appa, who happens to be a flying bison, if you didn't know already, people. Which, Appa, I just want to give him the biggest hug. Yeah. I love this creature so much. Yep, yep. Uh, but anyway, he gets thrown into the water, and then what happens? What happens, Arnie? What happens? So from the perch of uh, the saddle on Appa, Katara and Sokka watch A- Avatar Aang go into the Avatar state and truly see the, the, the absolute dominance of his power. He comes rising up out of the sea in a tall, powerful whirlpool. And she comes straight down onto the boat and knocks out every single soldier on the boat at the time. In a scary, unconscious state. Yeah, his eyes are completely lightened up and blue. You can't even see the white of his eyes anymore. His tattoos have lit up. Everything. You know he's in a completely different state of being. Uh, he's, he's, uh, what's the word when you, uh, he was in a trance essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And knocks everybody, including Zuko, pretty much off the boat and then faints. Um, Katara and Sokka get down to him. They pick him up. Sokka does the last of Zuko's, uh, undoing by knocking him off the boat the same way that he got knocked off his block earlier in the episode. And, um, they ride away on Appa. And, uh, there's a point... When they're we're watching them ride away, where Aang's kind of sitting solemnly in the evening sun, and Katara is kind of, is questioning, why didn't you tell us you're the Avatar? And he says, me, and I think this is one of the most pointy pieces of dialogue in the show. It is because I never wanted to be, and that'll be another reoccurring theme. I mean, there's a lot of setup in this episode. He's incredibly reluctant with to have been bestowed the power on Pawn and the power that he has. Uh, he's a 12-year-old. He's a kid. He doesn't know what to do with it. But for someone like him, a kid like him to be reluctant like that is a true testament of virtue and heroism, I think. It's a virtue, it's a virtue of courage mm-hmm. because he knows just how terrifying that power can be and that he's not ready to wield it yet. So, But they decide Katara wants to get better at waterbending. He wants to master all four elements he has to in order to save the world. They decide to start traveling to the Northern Water Tribe so that they can learn together. And uh, and it always closes. It closes on Aang reminding us he is still a happy-go-lucky kid. Yes. He also wants to go to all these locations in the world <laughs> to, you know, slide on penguins and go go see giant koi. Ride on the koi fish. Mm-hmm. They don't really like it when you do that. But that's what makes it more fun. Yeah. So so it's you, you keep this carefree attitude. And before we close out on the end, I do want to say this last scene... I, I really noticed it was very apparent when they were all just sitting next to each other. This is the first time you've seen all, you know, Aang and, and the... Uh, On the first and Sokka together. together. When you see them together, I think it's very poignant, and I, I, I do want to point it out that this show really does depict different races and skin colors between where they are in the world. Yes. 
The Southern Water Tribe, Northern Water Water Tribes are genuinely Native American or Native in their in their skin tone and their their customs even mm-hmm. everything. The Firebenders are very much Oriental in the ways that they are very Japanese. Uh, I don't really know if I can pinpoint Earthbenders very well. I think that's kind of Southern China almost Probably. or Mongolian. Mm-hmm. I think uh, and that kind of influence. And uh, Airbenders are nomads. They're Buddhists. Yeah, that whole Tibetan area. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you do see a lot of racial uh, differences. Yeah. Physical differences. Yes. In them. And I do think that's very poignant that they, they depict that. See, here's the thing that I love about this show is that they they thought about this like a like a like a like a golden age of television kind of show, like a um, masterpiece show, or what do you call it? Um, like yeah, golden age of television. It's iconic. Like, yeah, they knew that they were creating something important. Right, right. But it, it, there's so much thought that's going into every character, every flaw, every development, every every. Where does the stubbornness come from from some of these elders? Where does the um, the courage of the younger generation come from? From the war, from this, that, like you mentioned before. This show has so many different levels to it in its theme and its philosophies that. It's hard not to be compelled by some of the things that it makes you think about going away from it. Yeah. Like the idea that Aang is reluctant to have the power that he has. Not all of us treat power the same way. But it's interesting and makes you think about how you would handle it compared to the way Aang would. And it, it, it really it opens you up to a lot of ideas that you wouldn't normally think about if you were just watching a normal kids show. True. Agreed. And... I think to end every recap segment, we should end it with a question. What's the question? And I think the first question should be what everyone asks each other when they watch this show. What kind of bender would you be? What do you think you would be, Arnie? I think... Oh man, that's oh! I wish you would get asked me that before. Beforehand, yeah. Let me. I'll I'll tell you mine first. Okay, you go. And then we'll go into yours. I am a Gemini, so that is an air sign. However, I don't really think that's most appropriate for me. And you're shaking your head no because you already know what I'm going to say. 100%. I would be a firebender. I think so too. Yeah. That's just my personality. It's very fiery personality. It's a fire. Yes, it's a fiery personality. And uh, when I get in to get something done, I just want to power right through it and yeah. get right to the root of the problem and that's very much the style that we talked about earlier. This is tough because you can't be a hybrid. There's no such thing as a hybrid bender except for the Avatar and I'm not going to say I'm the Avatar I'm not. <laughs> but I definitely think I'm a waterbender. Okay. I could see that. Yeah. I, okay, not definitely. I'm, tr- I'm torn between water and earth. I see. I thought earth for you. I think, I, you know what? You know, I'm going to change my answer. I think I am very earth. I am I can be stubborn, but I am rock steady. I am a grounded human being, mm-hmm. and I believe in everything returning to earth in the same way that it rises from it. I think that's a very... I mean, you just called me fiery. I'd call you grounded. I think it works. So I think that's it. If you guys want to sound off and let us know what you are, what kind of bender you would be, you can even come up with some... There's some cool other... You know, elements that get bended later on in the series. Yeah. I won't spoil those yet. Uh, sound off on our Twitter page, which is... The Media Center 1. At the Media Center 1, yeah. At the Media Center 1. Also, there's another question we should ask. Who won the episode? Yeah, who won the episode? Who do you think? I think Katara won the episode. Really? 
because she got her way. She it's her journey starting as much as Aang's is, maybe more so at this point. I thought it was going to be pretty obvious. I thought it was Aang. Yeah. I clearly thought it was Aang. Oh, because he what butt? Well, because he got <laughs> look with the air with the time that he had on screen. I'm talking about him like he's an actor. Yeah. He chewed up the scenery yeah. every time. Every time he was the focus of every scene. Every time we learned something incredibly cool and amazing about him that I we love. And he's he's immediately a compelling character. I mean, all of them are. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Sokka takes a little time to get used to, but Aang definitely you bought you buy in right away with the show and with him from the moment that the episode starts with him. That's true. Yeah. So if you agree with us or disagree, also let us know on at the media center podcast one one. There we on go. Twitter. Yes. Yes. So let's get into what we normally do on Fridays. Our neat. Shit you haven't heard. Yes. Who wants to go first, you or me? I'll go first. Okay. I'll be nice and quick about it. Cool. Um, I'm always doing music because I fucking love music and I have some more music. Are we ready for music? Ready Let's do the music. music. All right. So, um, in my uh, Rolling Stone year-end kind of study of the albums that they liked, and Enemy and Pitchfork and Consequence of Sound, all of them together, there was one name that kept coming up. Mm-hmm. Rosalia. And she is a, traditionally, she's called the Queen of Flamenco. Oh, okay. I've shown you her music, I think. Um, So she's traditionally a flamenco singer, musician. She's a singer-songwriter. She does all her own stuff. It's not like, uh, you know, uh, Barbara Streisand kind of deal where other people write the lyrics and she's just a beautiful voice on top. She writes her own stuff. And in this album that she put out this year, the reason that it's so beloved, she incorporated with flamenco... Hip hop. Oh my god, yes. How crazy cool is that? And the first song that was recommended by every single one of those publications was a song called Malamente. I am so mesmerized by the song and the way the beats travel amongst each other, the way her voice sounds like liquid honey on the track. It's absolutely incredible. And uh, the only thing that I can do to do it justice is have you all listen to it. This is Malamente. piece of music you've shown me. Yes. That's amazing. It's incredible. The way, it's so minimal in that track, the way that the hand claps are there and that the, the, the beat really is driven by this underneath kind of skittery tone to it, but it just, it weaves like an easy drive down a bending road. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of if Shakira and Lana Del Rey had a baby. Because, hear me out on this. Okay. Shakira sings to the percussion. Yeah. And goes in those very quick lyrical, uh, leans in to the, like the staccato with the, the beats. staccato. Yeah. And uh, it leans into the percussion and the beats of her songs. Right. 
And Lana Del Rey, I'm not talking about like a, a, a you know, what like you think of Lana Del Rey. Like I'm thinking of her hip hop tracks, like uh, High by the Beach yeah. or like uh, the, 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 like West Coast. West Coast. You know, the, the, there's on Lust for Life. There's a Even radio is kind of like that. Yeah, I'm trying to find what it is I'm, I'm thinking. There is just like, there's this like satiny, silky kind of tone to her voice and the way that she just glides over it, you know? Summer Bummer. Summer Bummer, yeah. It reminds me of Lana Del Rey's Summer Bummer mixed with a a, 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 a Xanaxed Shakira. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely Xanax. But it's just, it's gorgeous. And the fact that she's an artist who's going way outside the bounds of her own, uh, what she's known for, like her, her, her calling card, is amazing to me. Anybody who takes that kind of risk with their fans is already in my heart. I and love it. It's... It's some of the best music I've heard to start the year. Do we know where she's from? I think she's Argentinian. No, she's she's from Spain. Spain. She's from Spain. That makes sense. Yeah, that's where the flamenco roots come from. Gotcha. Uh, I listened to some of her other albums. She's great, but this is something completely different. It's like the the experiment of a of a mad scientist musician te- in a test tube. It works so well. It's incredible. Do you think we'll be seeing her at Eurovision? I do not think so. No, I neither. <laughs> here's the thing. That kind of good music doesn't come out of Eurovision. It's all dance hall poppy, and you know it. I mean, that's true. I'm poppy. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Bringing it back full circle. The snake is eating itself. Yes. Yes. Okay, what's your shit? It's Marie Kondo tidying up. Have you heard of this? No. It is a new Netflix show. Okay. Based on this. Cute little charming Japanese woman, yeah. and her book called Tidying Up. Okay, it is a reality show where she goes into different people's lives, and it's very much like Queer Eye, but she just cleans up the house and teaches them how to clean it up. It's it's they're not hoarders, but it's it's uh, people who just are overwhelmed with the mess of their homes. So it's like it's like Kitchen Nightmare with Gordon Ramsay, but for homes. Yeah, but for homes and apartments and stuff. And she has this four-step system of how to go through and purge your house and. You know, clean it up. She has a very specific way of how to fold things and everything. When I first heard this, I wasn't sold on it. Mm. However, once I turned on the first episode and I saw she's the cutest little Japanese woman, I got it. She uh, she has a translator with her the entire show that has to go and speak. She speaks through the translator to talk to the the people she's working with because yeah. the, the show is in the states. Right. And I just thought it was so cute and interesting. She she takes she takes it very seriously. Yeah. She takes time to. Thank the house for protecting the family. Right. And she says, let's take some time to thank the house. Everyone close your eyes <laughs> and we will thank the house for protecting us. And she takes this time and, you know, these Americans are like, what? That's <laughs> super zen. But she is, it is very zen. But she's so serious about it and takes the time. It's just that Japanese zenful smile of, ah, <laughs> thank you, house. And it is the cutest thing ever. If anything, just watch one episode just to get, you know, just just so cute into your life. Just a little warmth inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really want to go through this, this, uh, this process. I mean, she goes through this four or five step process where she cleans the house by category, not by room. Right. Okay. So it's like, it's by like your clothing and then paper and then sentimental items. And you know, she, she breaks it down. That's a nice way of going about it. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it, she has very specific ways. Like she, the clothing, you have to take all of the clothing in your house, every single piece, put it in a pile. Mm-hmm. And then you go through, you have to touch every single piece of clothing. And if it gives you joy, you keep it. 
If it does not, here's the thing, and you're going to get rid of it, you put that in a get rid of pile, but you thank the article of clothing before you put it in there. Ah. <laughs> it's so interesting. I love it. I like that. No, it's a really nice way of going about it. It's yeah. cute and it makes you feel good. Aww. Yeah. So there's a little warmth in that black soul of yours. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Just this little corner that there's still like a tiny little flame. You know, red looks really good with black. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Yes. Oh, man. I think you won the episode. That was well done. Oh, uh, no. I think you won. That was a really good song. It's oh a great God. song, right? I love it. Sorry, I was being too humble. I think I won the episode. That no, fucking no. song, her, her voice. Oh, my God, man. It's amazing. Uh, she's young, too. She's 24, I think. That's really young. Really young. What are we doing with our lives? It's a podcast. Trying. <laughs> That's what we're doing, Ernie. We're trying our best. Oh <laughs> uh, Well, in any case, I'm loving the Avatar reviews. I think this is going to be fun. Let us know if you like them, too, on at the Media Center Podcast 1. We mentioned it a couple of times. We'll be reviewing episodes 3 and 4 of book 1 next week. Um, until next time, unless you have something to add. Uh... You messed up the outro this time. No, I said, is there something... Oh, no. No. No? No. <laughs> you messed up my... Your non-segue. I was, I was going well, and then you were just like, let me just insert some Levi into this. You know, I find new and exciting ways to mess up the outro in the episode, guys. <laughs> just cut our losses where we can. This is Levi Loggins right over here to my left. You can hit him up at contact at levyloggins.com. He's useful for so many things. And my name is Arneet Singh. You can hit me up at underscore A-C-E-I-N-G, Arneet.com, or Arneet at Arneet.com. I'm also useful for a great many things. Till next time, people, have a great weekend. Bye. Laters. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Media Center. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. Be sure to join us next time.